Well, good morning again, and let's uh, welcome those who are at First Norfolk on Volvo. Let's welcome them as they join us for worship. Uh, I did ask uh, for some help, and just to say, I'm going to ask the, guy, the guys that I asked to help me, I'm going to ask y'all to come on down, so just kind of be ready. Uh, as we continue on, uh, uh, on this path through the Old Testament, stories of the Old Testament, looking at the promise that God has given us. The promise ultimately is Jesus Christ, and as we uh, begin to consider that promise, y'all come on up, as we consider that promise, there's the challenge between, no, right down here, got, got to have you right down here. There's the challenge that we face of really pre- moving forward. See, there are opportunities that God gives us, and there are challenges that are before us that we have to press on toward and through in order to take hold of the flourishing life. God never promised that uh, following after Jesus was going to be easy. He said it would be satisfying. And so sometimes we are stuck in a struggle between fear and faith. And that's where the children of Israel were in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. So, Trent, you come over here. Uh, Y'all stand uh, like uh, next to each other, but then twist around and face them. And then you two come here, and y'all face each other, okay? And this is real simple. I want y'all to hold hands, not in a friendly kind of way, but in a manly kind of way, okay? So grip grip hands, grip hands. Yeah, you see that? Yeah, all right, yeah, that's beautiful. All right, so here's what happens with children of Israel. They are standing on the precipice of God's promise, entering into the promised land, when all of a sudden they begin to realize that this might be tough. Now, God said, I will give you this land. All you have to do is enter it. But they began to have fear. And that fear caused them to back up from the promise. Today, I want us to learn how to have faith over our fear. And one of the greatest illustrations is this, you know, a faith leap. And y'all seen this, right? I mean, it's, it's what happens in mosh pits around the world all the time. Uh, but this faith leap is just a simple way to show that I trust these guys. Now, uh, y'all might not have seen it, but I went around and I actually picked these guys. I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, just a willy-nilly kind of thing. I was looking for some guys that I thought could handle, you know, <laughs> the physique. I mean, the test is still out there, but, you know, I think, I think you, know, you see these guys, that I, I know them, yeah, they, I think they can handle the physique, right? So we'll see though, right? We'll see because if they can't, you know what happens. I mean, I'm crashed. The other thing about it, can I tell you, they're probably more nervous than I am. I'm not worried about this a bit because if they let me go, then I go a different route on the message altogether. Okay. All right. So faith leave, it's just, are y'all ready? Okay. All right. All right. So faith leave, it's just like, like that. What did it great? All right, thank y'all. Awesome. Wasn't that spectacular? I mean, and I didn't. I only asked them once if they were ready, right? And they just, yeah, whatever. I mean, that was yawn for them. But uh, what a great opportunity that God gives us every single day as followers of Jesus to take a leap. And it's every day, and it's in every area of our life to take a leap. That leap is not into the unknown. It's in the strong Safe arms of Jesus who has loved us and given his life for us. It's not a leap into the unknown. It's it's unknown in the sense that 
that we can't control it. And really, that's what the problem is sometimes. The problem for us is that we are afraid. We're filled with stress or anxiety or fear because we can't control it. But what we learn today is that faith, trusting Jesus, overwhelms our fear so that we step into the fullness of life that God has for us. In Numbers chapter 13, go ahead and turn there. We're going to be sticking in Numbers 13, the beginning of chapter 14. Uh, The children of Israel have left. uh, Last week they were bowing before a golden bull. In disobedience and rebellion against God, they had set up an idol of their own making like we create idols of our own making. And and they had set these idols up and and they bowed before them and and, and then God saw it and God was uh, incensed with uh, a sense of rage because God hates sin. He hates your sin and my sin. And, and so he tells Moses to come down from the mountain. Moses comes down from the mountain. He finds the children of Israel worshiping at this golden bull. And, and God says, I'm going to bring judgment on them. And, and, and Moses pleads for God's grace. And, and even in spite of, of the rebellion of the children of Israel, God shows grace to them in their rebellion. And he pardons the iniquity of their sin. And that's an act of his grace. And so now they leave Mount Sinai and they make their way. And now they're at a place called Kadesh Barnea. And and they're getting ready to cross over into the promised land. They come right up against the Jordan River. And and in Numbers chapter 13, God says to Moses, verse 2, Send out twelve spies into the land that I am giving you. I want you to cling a little bit to that very last phrase. Not the send out 12 spies. That's, that's interesting. But the promise is the land I'm giving you. Literally in the Hebrew, it, it's almost as if it's the land I have already given you. Here's a promise. And this is the promise that God made Abraham and, and Isaac This is the the promise that God made when he raised up Moses to deliver the children of Israel out of the land of bondage in Egypt. And, 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 And this is what God was all about as he led the children of Israel, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, as he parted the Red Sea and as he fed them, gave them bread to eat and quail from heaven, as he gave them water from a rock, as he gave them his laws, as he gave them himself. It was to lead them to the, to the promised land. So they might dwell in that land. A land flowing with milk and honey. God made a promise. You know, God makes a promise to you and me. In the person of Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, understand you are living in a promise. A promise that your sin has been forgiven. That even though you were dead in your trespass and sin, that Jesus came and he died on a cross to forgive your sin. And if you by faith have trusted in Jesus, you have been wrapped up in God's grace, in his amazing steadfast love. So that the shame and the pain and the guilt and the stain and the death of your sin has been conquered by this wondrous love, this rich, steadfast love life-giving, soul-satisfying love of the living God. And he's poured it out to you in the person of Jesus. And when by faith you trusted in Jesus as Savior, Rescuer, then you 
were brought into the family of God. You were given immediate intimacy with God as he poured his spirit within you so that you might know him and walk with him and live with him so that you might soak in the wondrous love that God offers you. And the promise is that as long as you're soaking in him, man, you're going to flourish. As long as you and I, as followers of Christ, as long as we're soaking in him, we will flourish. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. John 15, Jesus said, if, if you abide in me, if you make your home with me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, if my promise, my truth, my, 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 my commands, uh, my scripture, if my words abide with you, if you abide in me and, and you uh, allow my words to sink down into the very core of your being, if, if you take my word and, and, and the seed of my word is, is planted in the soil of your spirit, it will produce blessing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then whatever you ask in my name, I will do for you. Verse 8, John 15, 8, he says, By this my Father is glorified that you produce much fruit. It's the same concept that we looked at in Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, blessed is the person who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But blessed is the person who delights himself in the law of the Lord. And in God's law, he meditates day and night. He's making God's law uh, home uh, in his heart. In his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Here's the promise that God gives us as followers of Jesus. That when we become a part of God's family, he becomes father to us. And he showers us with his love in such a way that we can be satisfied. And that we can flourish. Not just when we come to church. Not just in the religious stuff, but in the everyday life, which is extremely religious as well. But in our relationships, in our marriage, in our home, as parents, as children with our parents, at our work, in our struggles, in our uncertainties, in our finances. When we, when we delight ourselves in the law of the Lord, when we abide in Jesus and his word abides in us, when we make this journey leaping by faith every day, then we'll flourish. Because, here's not the promise. I want you to hear not the promise. God does not promise us a life without heat. Hot, blazing down, threatening to wrinkle our soul. What he promises us is that even when it's so hot that every other leaf around us is withering, we won't. You see, the best life is not the absence of conflict. The best life is the presence of God in the midst of our conflict. But, and that's good. Amen, right? Yeah. But here's the problem. Real life hits us square in the face, and we've got to deal with the struggle of the heat. We come right to the edge of the precipice like the children of Israel did. 
And they're faced with the uncertainty of an unknown land. God said, go send out spies into the land. And they sent out spies. And ten of them came back with a bad report. Two came with a good report. Can I just ask you a quick quiz? Without looking, do you know the names of the ten who gave the bad report? Anybody? Anybody? Do you know the names of the two who brought the good report? Joshua and Caleb. Right. Just a little lesson about... Negative versus positive, good report versus bad report. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. Okay, all right. Just a little thought. Uh, But don't, simple, don't be the 10, be Joshua and Caleb, right? That's who we want to be. But in order to get to where they are, we need to understand our fear. And fear can make us forget about God. And that's, that's what begins to happen to us. Uh, Fear can make us forget about God. Um, When when I'm afraid and things are tough, I can most often look at my problems and see them, and I can identify my problems. I can give you the triage of the troubles that I've got. I can put my problems in a prioritized list. I see my problems clearly. But what fear does is it gets us to focus on the problem and forget about God. That's what happened to the children of Israel. Now, remember, God said, go to the land, and I've given it to you. Just go. Look at, do, do, do a reconnaissance, a reconnoitre, and, 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 and look at it. But, but, but listen, the land is yours. Trust me. So, uh, down in chapter 13, starting in verse 27, uh, uh, here comes the report, okay? Uh, 13, 27. Then, then they, they told him and said, we, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. So they brought fruit back, and they said, everything God told us about this land is true. Nevertheless, verse 20, you see that? Nevertheless. So God is telling the truth, but, okay, and this is free. This isn't really part of the message, but I want you to get this. Don't be the person who says, yeah, God says truth, but. Don't be the follower of Jesus who sees that God is telling truth, but. But I don't really like it, or but I don't really want to go there, or but the problems are so big, so enormous that no matter what kind of truth God tells, we can't really trust him. The problems are bigger than our God. I mean, that's what they're getting ready to say. And can I tell you, in the church, you want to know what kills the church more than anything else? God tells the truth, but I don't want to go there. God tells the truth, but I won't do whatever it takes to be obedient to him. God tells the truth, but I don't want to pay the price that he's asking me to pay. God tells the, God tells the truth, but I, I don't want to be uncomfortable. God tells the truth, but I don't, want to call, I, I don't want to cause any kind of conflict for anybody else. I just want to be happy, 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 happy. And all the while, God is saying, but what about me? Intent on making our buddies happy who sit in the chair next to us, but we really say, God, well, I don't care about you that much. God is telling the truth, but. And goes on. Nevertheless, 
the people who dwell in the land are strong and cities are fortified and very large. And, and, and moreover, we saw descendants of Anak there. And that means that they saw people that were very tall. The uh, Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. And Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Verse 30. And Caleb quieted the people. I want you to understand what that means in the Hebrew language. It means he said in, in words that we weren't allowed to say in my house, the, the shut with the up, we're not allowed to say that in my house. But that's what he was saying. He said, be quiet. He was incensed. He was really upset about the nevertheless, as we should be as well. Anytime we're sitting in a business meeting or a church conference and, and we hear somebody say, God's telling the truth, but some of you need to stand up like Caleb and say, will y'all just be quiet? And I'll be sitting there with popcorn. <laughs> what fun that would be. He said, be quiet. And then he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. He didn't deny the report. Sure, there were a lot of people up there. And sure, the cities were fortified. But he said, let us go up at once. Let's jump. Why? Because he knew that if God is for them, they can overcome it all. They don't have to worry. So the people of the bad report ramp it up a little bit and start hyperbolizing. Do you know what it means to hyperbolize? They started lying. Verse 31. They started expanding their story in a way that the truth wouldn't recognize it. Verse 31 says, uh, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Even though the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Amalekites and the Anakites and the otherites all lived in this land, it devours its inhabitants. Even though they brought back evidence of beautiful fruit, and it truly is a land flowing with milk and honey, because they were afraid that the popular opinion of the crowd was going to go against them, they start telling untruths. goes on. He says, and everyone, all the people... Whom we saw in that land are of great stature. Verse 33. We saw giants, the descendants of Anak, came, uh, uh, who came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Okay. So what do, what do we see here? Well, we begin to understand that, that uh, when because of the fear that that the children of Israel were facing, and these, uh, these, uh, these scouts that went out, they, they, they determined that, that the problems were too big for them to say yes to God. That the, the problems were too enormous for them to say. In fact, when you listen to the ten spies of the bad report, you listen to the complaints of the children of Israel, uh, in all their deliberations, all their conversations, God was not part of their conversation. The promise of God did not enter the equation. They forgot about God altogether. Even though he had been feeding them, 
even though he had been giving them something to drink, even though he had been leading them every day, even though he had delivered them out of judgment, even though he had delivered them out of the hands of Egypt, even though he had done all this, they forgot about God because they were focused on their problems. And isn't that the easiest thing in the world to do? I'm not denying that they had problems. They did. I'm not denying that we have problems. We do. I'm not denying that you have problems. You do. That's part of life. But fear says, I'm weak. I'm too weak. I can't can't handle this. I can't manage this. I can't navigate this. I'm just too weak, so I'm not going to jump. I'm going to step back in fear. Fear says I'm too weak. Fear says that I'm a failure. Uh, Children of Israel, perhaps they were thinking about their past sin. I don't know about you, but the devil tries to remind me of my past sin all the time. I know it. I don't need for him to remind me. I, I feel it. I'm intimately, personally connected with my past sin. But here's what I've had to learn and what I have to continue to learn. That my sin from yesterday, even though I might live with the consequence today, does not define me today or tomorrow. That's not who I am. But fear says I'm a failure. Fear says I'm weak. Fear says I'm a failure. Fear says... I have no future. Chapter 14, children of Israel say, let's get a new leader and let's go back to Egypt. And anytime we start looking with fondness of yesterday and we act as if tomorrow is only trouble that doesn't deserve our attention, we are living in fear. And that is not the way God has intended for his people to live. They say, we have no future. It's all over. Let's go back to our past. It's been said over and over again, but I think it's good to say it. Um, Moses could get the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he couldn't get Egypt out of the children of Israel. whole generation had to die to get Egypt out of the children of Israel. Maybe that's what fear is doing to you and to me. We're so tied in to our sins of yesterday or our successes of yesterday that we don't see any future today or tomorrow. So we shrink into the shadows. Fear can make us forget God. But faith sets our focus on God. And that's where we need to be. You see, when our focus is on God, then we can become fearless. And today, uh, at, at, at Volvo, we're, uh, we're commissioning uh, Haley and Blake Emmert. And Blake's going uh, on deployment, and, and this is something that we uh, like to do when we can and, and know to do it. But, but Blake's going on deployment. We want to pray for them and, and, and for all of our military uh, you, you step into dangerous places and do dangerous things for a purpose. And I don't know. I've never been in battle like that. But I assume that there is something, uh, 
you might not call it fear, but I would say there's a heightened sense of emotional insecurity. Did y'all, who got that? Because that was pretty good. Let's not call it fear. It's a heightened sense of emotional insecurity in that moment as you're entering into battle. I get that. I mean, I, I, I felt that when I was playing sports. I felt that when, when I, every time before I stand up here to communicate the Word of God, I feel a heightened sense of emotional insecurity. And yet, our soldiers and our sailors, military men and women, they enter into the battle even though they have that sense of insecurity or anxieties. Why? Why do they do that? Because they believe the cause for which they are fighting is worth it. You know, today... We hear Caleb say, let's go up at once and do this thing that God has called us to do. Let's overcome our fear by focusing on God's promise. He he said, we're able to do it. Why? Because God has given it to us as a promise. We're able to press forward. We're able to take the leap because God has already promised it to us. God's made the promise. Let's live in the flow of that promise. Today, I want to invite you to live in the flow of the promise that God has made. And take the leap. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the size of the mountain. Focus on the God who moves the mountain. Don't focus on the wide river. How wide and deep it may be. Focus on God who parts the waters and piles them up so that you can cross through on dry ground. I know you got problems. I do too. And I know that there are insecurities that we feel in the face of everyday life. I understand. But to flourish... is to live in the delight of the Lord and to press forward in the path that he has made. I mean, look, look Deuteronomy, I mean, uh, Numbers, uh, look in verses, uh, uh, verse 7 and 8. Uh, Caleb and Joshua start to speak, verse 7, quote, The land we pass through despite is an exceedingly good land. So here's what, uh, remember the children of Israel, the, the negative spies, they said, God's telling the truth, but. Joshua and Caleb, God's telling the truth, verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, then he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Uh, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Man, what an image that is. I mean, they're food for us. Don't fear the people uh, of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Can I I tell you just quickly one simple truth that, that maybe you haven't heard, maybe you have and you've forgotten, but what helps us focus on God, what what helps awaken faith in us is when we understand because of Jesus, God 
delights in you. You're a follower of Jesus. God delights in you. You have been saved by God's grace. Then the righteousness of Christ covers you. It's his perfection that saturates and soaks your soul. And when God sees you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Make no mistake, not based upon what you have done, will do, or won't do. God delights in you. So jump. Trust him. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your family. Trust him with your finances. Trust him with your today. Trust him with your yesterday. Trust him with your tomorrow. He is with you. Press forward into the victory that he provides. In 1 John chapter 4, it says that perfect love casts out fear. Did you remember that? It's 4, 17 or 18. 1 John 4, 17 or 18. It says perfect love casts out fear. Well, that perfect love is not a creation that we have made, nor is it something that we produce. In the context, perfect love casts out fear. It's talking about God's love for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you know what protects us from fear so that we can jump forward in faith and flourish? It's the perfect love of Jesus for us who died on a cross for us, who gave us life, who makes us who we are in the bosom of the Father, who lavishes that love and soaks our soul with that love, that steadfast love that causes us to sing even when everything around us would cause us to weep. Today we can be soaking in the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what awakens faith in us to trust Him more. He loves you. Oh my goodness, how He loves you. So live in that love. If you abide in me, Jesus said, my words abide in you. You'll ask whatever you want in my name and I'll give it to you. By this, my Father is glorified that you produce much fruit. Fear says, I am weak. But faith says, God is is strong for me. Fear says, I'm a failure. But faith says, I am forgiven fully in the person of Jesus Christ. Fear says, I have no future. But faith says, God is my future. Today, let's walk in faith. Today, take the leap and flourish. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Regardless where you are on this journey, the only pathway to the best life is walking in the flow of God's will. The only way for us to experience a satisfied life, a flourishing life, is not the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of God in the face of our conflict. Today, I invite you to trust in Jesus. That 
that what he's promised you will come to pass. To trust in Jesus and find his love coursing through your soul and nourishing your soul and giving you courage and confidence and the faith that is needed to live in obedience to him. Today, perhaps you need to name your fear. We all have them. I've got, I've got several. Name your fear. What is it that causes you to shrink back from God's will? What is it that causes you to disobey God? What is it that causes you to sink back into uh, a pathway of rebellion against God? What is it that keeps you from leaping by faith into the arms of Jesus? What's it? What is it? What's that fear? Will you name that fear? And having named that fear, will you now lay it before Jesus and trust him with it? Let go of it. Some of you need to come to this altar. You need to talk to God and say, God, this is my fear. This is what's caused me to keep from being obedient to you in my finances or in my family or in my emotions or at my work or uh, in the details of my own quiet times in the dark places where nobody sees. These are my fears and I'm laying them before you and, and today I'm, I'm calling upon you, Lord Jesus, to open my heart and my mind to, uh, to soak my soul with your love so that I might believe and trust that you are with me to strengthen and encourage me, to satisfy me, to press me forward toward your deep will, your deep desire for me. Some of you need to come to this altar and, and talk to the Lord like that. Some of you just need to come, uh, sit right where you are in these next few moments and you need to think, who are you trusting? Is it yourself? Oh, that's a dead end. Is it somebody else? That's a dead end. Is it some uh, power or governmental force? Is that what you're depending on? That is a disastrous dead end. Who are you trusting? Today, will you trust in Jesus? These next few moments... Will you commit yourself to trust in Jesus? Ministers will be here at the front. This altar is ready to receive. But will you trust in Jesus? The only way to take the leap that God is calling you to take each day is for you and for me to trust in Jesus just to rest upon his promise to know thus saith the Lord and that's enough it is so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word 
just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. How I've proved you o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for faith to trust you more. Oh, God, speak to your people as we sing praise to you and lead us to the leap of faith. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.